Hello, Two Forks Tower. This is Sissy Jones, voice of Delilah from Firewatch, and you are listening to the Xbox Expansion Pass. Uh, also, um, you didn't really name the turtle Shelly, did you? <laughs> Welcome one, welcome all to episode 77 of the Xbox Expansion Pass, recorded on Sunday, April 4th, 2021. I am your host, Luke Lore, the Insipid Ghost. In this episode, we discuss how Microsoft might rekindle the Games with Gold program while streamlining the ID at Xbox experience. Previous Sony-exclusive MLB The Show is now arriving day and date into Xbox Game Pass, and the backward compatibility program has gone mobile. Enjoy. Yet another week of gaming is upon us and behind us. Welcome to XEP, discussing all things in the Gamerverse. As they pertain to the Xbox ecosystem, and as I am wont to do each and every week, I want to start the show by offering words of kindness to those who have made my gaming week better. And this week, the words of kindness go to someone I believe I've shouted out before, but will consistently get shoutouts for as long as he's in my life. Uh, Mr. Kevin Butler, who does not listen to this show, but I game with every single week. He is just celebrating his birthday. He streams over on Twitch at... Uh, Twitch.tv slash hometown hero, the E's or threes. But uh, real talk, I have lived with Kevin in our younger years. This man has paid my rent once when I was in a time of struggling. One of the nicest, kindest human beings on the planet. Uh, For all the good and bad that goes on each and every day, he's like a rock for me. And so I just wanted to give him a shout out uh, and let you guys know what a great friend is and what he means to me. And all that jazz. It's pretty cool getting to have, you know, somebody in your life that you play games with constantly get to bounce ideas off, tell your real world problems, and they counsel your way through it or just tell you to get over it. And that's what Kev does. He's a pretty good dude. Uh, Happy birthday, Kev. Uh, I know you're not going to listen to this, but I wanted to say it nonetheless. All right, guys, let's get to some news. Stunning and industry-shaking is this first news item on our list this week. It was known that previous PlayStation-exclusive MLB The Show would be making its way onto Xbox consoles with MLB The Show 21. However, it was announced on April 2nd, the day after April Fool's Day, to make sure that there was no confusion via the Xbox Wire, that MLB The Show 21 would be launching day and date into Game Pass on April 20th. Side by side, it's PlayStation Brethren and going on sale for Xbox communities. Game Pass subscribers will have access to MLB The Show 21 for no additional cost other than their subscription. Goodness gracious me. I could not believe it. This was absolutely wild. Of course, this was the day after... Day, game Pass day and date received Outriders, which which is just in, in, a great game in its own right. We'll talk about that and some of the launch woes that it has had, uh, despite being a great game. We'll talk about that later in the show. But this was a day after so much goodwill was going towards Game Pass. It was announced that the show would be making its way into the service, and I, I'm just taken aback. I'm trying to process this story even two days later, and and I'm still stunned. I'm going to read the official statement from the Xbox Wire press release, and then we'll break down some of the more interesting elements of this. It says, quote, 
We're delighted to announce that MLB The Show 21 is coming to Xbox Game Pass on day one and will be available on April 20th for Xbox Series X, S, and Xbox One, as well as on Android phones and tablets via Xbox Cloud Gaming Beta for Ultimate members. Both MLB The Show 21 Xbox One and Xbox Series X and S Standard Editions will be included in Xbox Game Pass, so members will be able to play the best version of the game regardless of which console they are on. With cross-platform play and progress, you can play against others online and earn and use content across the platform and generation you choose. End quote. I am stunned. I am thrilled for the Xbox gaming community. I'm thrilled for those developing MLB The Show. Of course, that is a PlayStation uh, studio and it was previously PlayStation exclusive, so I'm sure there's some some weird conversations being had there. But it sounds like, as surprising as it was that the show would be making its way over to Xbox, and certainly that seemed to have come from Major League Baseball pushing this, saying, hey, you've made this great baseball game. There's no other MLB game out there. Why are you isolating yourself to one console? Uh, And seemingly pushing them to publish over on Xbox and access that many more gamers. They are now going to be launching the game day and date to 18 million-plus potential subscribers uh, and potential players, and that is just Incredible. And I have to wonder uh, just what those conversations were like. I have to wonder whether Sony proper knew about this. I'm sure that the show developers found out about it ahead of time. But did Sony Publishing know? Uh, Because, as it were, the official publisher for MLB The Show on uh, Xbox is not Sony the way it is over on PlayStation. In fact, it's going to be Major League Baseball listed as the official uh, publisher. So there's interesting elements of that. A lot of people are taking this story to mean uh, a number of different things. They're pointing out some of the irony that a previous PlayStation exclusive is costing its customers $70, which is, of course, the standard price over on PlayStation for PlayStation 5 games. It's costing them $70, whereas Game Pass subscribers are getting it for just the cost of their subscription. And that's that's causing a bit of a hubbubaloo and a bit of confusion, I think, among customers there to know that they need to spend $70 as a PlayStation gamer, but you can just have it as part of Game Pass. There's certainly uh, plenty of conversations to be had there. I, I, I'm hesitant on where to start, but it sounds to me like what Microsoft did was see that Major League Baseball was the publisher, recognize that they wanted to get their game uh, into the Xbox community's hands, and back a truckload of money up to the MLB and say, hey, 18 million plus potential customers and players, you're trying to access this new market, we'll pay to get this service here on day one, let's do this. And they probably cited a number of different success stories for Game Pass Day and Date. Uh, Probably uh, too late for Outriders, but that was a success story for sure. Um, I am just... I'm taken aback by this. I don't have any personal interest in MLB The Show. I'm not uh, the guy that was ever going to go out and buy the sports ball game uh, outright, with the exception of the occasional FIFA to play with my brother, as I do enjoy soccer stuff. But now, knowing that it's in Game Pass, maybe I will give this a go, given that it is one of the most highly regarded sports games on any platform across any sport. There is a lot of goodwill being generated with the Xbox community here and people that are going to be potential purchasers of content for the game of of checking out the game in the future we'll have to see if this launches day and date next year but they have really had if you'll forgive the pun a grand slam with this one and it's it's got to be incredible also incredible here is that 
it's got smart delivery. So whatever system you're on, you'll get the best version. You don't need to worry about upgrading uh, uh, any type of version therein. As far as pre-ordering the game, I know there's a, they have some cool Jackie Robinson stuff if you pre-order the game, and you can still do that here on uh, Xbox as well. But, I mean, why do that if you're getting the standard edition for free and it's smart upgrades to the Xbox Series S and X uh, accordingly? Also, your progress will carry over if you decide to go mobile via xCloud. I mean, that's just an incredible deal. And I have to wonder if Microsoft uh, isn't just patting themselves on the back of something fierce and, and PlayStation uh, scratching their head just a little bit as to just how they might be able to combat this idea of their customers, who were previously exclusive and, and given the highest regard, are now going to be the ones that have to spend the most money to play the game comparatively, seemingly. Uh, some false headlines going out there, or rather I should say misleading, in that saying that Xbox gamers are getting it for free. No, there is a cost for the subscription. I don't find that cost of subscription to be substantial by any means. I mean, $15 a month, and many of us are getting it on sale and stacking, of course. Uh, but even for the cost of $15 a month, it adds up to, well, I think like $120, $150 at various points. Maybe maybe a little more, I'm sorry. For, I'm thinking about ultimate versus standard numbers. Nonetheless, I mean, for the cost of two games, Outriders and MLB The Show, you've got your Game Pass subscription for a year. Not Ultimate, but but Game Pass. That's that's telling. That's interesting there, for sure. Uh, when I went and checked the official Twitter thread for MLB The Show, it only had information about the PlayStation version. Zero mention of Xbox Game Pass uh, on, on the MLB The Show timeline at all. None. No retweets, no likes, no reference to where you can pre-order the game on Xbox. Nothing. Uh, and MLB, of course, was, was spotlighting it, and Xbox was going nuts with it, various types of promotions. Big win in the social media category, I think, for Microsoft uh, as well. Um, I do not enjoy, and I will not subscribe to the fanboy arguments of which one's better or anything else. This is more an interesting story to follow because you have such a high-profile, well-regarded exclusive that's now uh, available to another community, and uh, you know the stewards of that community are doing their absolute best to spotlight it and make them feel welcome. Uh, man, that's just an interesting story. Todd Oxtra wrote in on this one, and he said, Do you feel like Microsoft will be as aggressive with third-party deals on Game Pass when they have a steady stream of first-party releases? So he's thinking down the line. Similar to how Netflix has trimmed out and almost all non-Netflix properties in their library. That's a good question uh, there, Todd, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go there in a bit. But I want to point out some of the potential benefits of this MLB The Show deal and then kind of use that as a segue into answering your question. Right now, they Xbox and The Show have an opportunity to turn a huge market of gamers onto their product. And every article that's going to be written about MLB The Show going forward is going to include the words, not just the words Xbox, but Game Pass as well. Every review, every news article, and likely for the next year or so, any news about PlayStation exclusives making their way over to PC are going to have the question asked, will this be available on Game Pass for PC? Uh, future games, not necessarily like your Ratchet and Clanks, but other games like like The Show or, or Spider-Man will have the question of would Sony be willing to publish this over on Game Pass if MLB The Show finds success. And it's not a matter of, 
of, you know, will they, won't they? It's a matter of the articles being written and the words being used because the mind share of Game Pass is starting to permutate into multiple cultures. It was not well known when Game Pass first launched and, and it was not uh, well respected initially as a service outside of those that, that played it, right? Like those in the know were very comfortable with how how much value the service was. It's now making its way into standard pop culture that Game Pass is as good as it is. Uh, the big joke about Xbox podcasts right now is that they can't talk about their exclusive games, but it's always Game Pass, Game Pass, Game Pass. That is going to be making its way into articles that have nothing to do with Xbox. Uh, technically, MLB will be spotlighting this. They'll be watching those numbers very carefully as they're the official publisher. There's going to be a lot of different, I guess you could say, pieces of mindshare that are going to be placed in there with goodwill going forward that might pave the way for more aggressive third-party deals in the short term, Todd. Uh, your actual question, though, is will that same aggressiveness take place? Will they go after the Outriders? Will they go after MLB The Show uh, or, or potentially Cyberpunk when that next-gen patch launches? Will they go after those titles when they've got their own first-party slate? And I have to think, Todd, it v- depends greatly on just how much quality is in that first-party slate uh, starting at the end of 2021 but really through 2022. By 2023, you would expect that they would not be ambitious with those third-party deals, and you would expect it to flip almost, that third parties would be going to them and saying, hey, can we get six months in Game Pass? Can we get four months in Game Pass? How much to keep uh, a year in Game Pass? Can we cut a deal here and there? Because, of course, any money spent uh, from a Game Pass member purchasing that game, there's 10% off, there's some sale stuff going on there. If the game has microtransactions, you're opening it up to a, a future audience to spend in that realm. There's a lot of pieces to that puzzle as well. But for the short term, Todd, uh, I do not see Microsoft being anything but aggressive on these third-party deals. If their slate in 2022 looks good, we're talking like Hellblade 2 good, then I would fully expect them to start cutting back just a little bit. They need they need about two good Game Pass stories per, per quarter, whether that's homegrown or uh, outsourced. Once their first-party studios are really in full cadence and they've got a game a quarter uh, coming out of game stu- Microsoft Game Studios, then I can certainly expect them to back off just a bit more. So for the next two years, you think you're seeing deals being made. After that, I think it's going to fade uh, significantly, and you are going to see that Netflix switch. I would argue, though, because you brought up the Netflix analogy, that Netflix is less appealing now than it's ever been uh, in the digital era because they're not getting those exclusive shows save uh, The Witcher that are high profile for this type of community, for the gaming community, I should say. Uh, the Disney stuff's gone. The the WB stuff is making its way over to HBO Max. So the superhero genres are out. The sci-fi genres are, are out of there. And so they've got a few shows like Lost in Space and The Witcher, but I'm just not sure they've got... Uh, the mass market appeal for the big stuff, for the big new stuff, I should say. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. I'm interested to know for sure, but um, I'm wondering if Netflix themselves doesn't need to start cutting some of those more aggressive deals once again. COVID certainly changed some of those aggressive deals for, for the filming industry, not, not the gaming industry. That's changed in a different way. Uh, but for now, uh, I like the analogy. I like the question. Guys, let me know what you think about MLB The Show 21. Are you a PlayStation gamer? Are you Were you planning to check it out? Does this sway you to perhaps check it out on Xbox? And if you're an Xbox gamer, let me know if you're planning to check out the show. It's not my kind of game, but, I mean, there's no, there's no 
negative in me trying it now. I am a Game Pass subscriber. Why not? Let me know, guys. Well, my review of Outriders is on hold until the servers stabilize just a bit. I do want to disclose that I was given a code a day ahead of time, so I, I had a one-day head start on people that were getting it in Game Pass or proper. Uh, so my, my, my time with the game is not really that extensive compared to what anybody else might be having uh, in terms of what they're able to play right now. However, my review will come out later. That said, I'm really enjoying my time with Outriders when I'm able to play. Of course, People Can Fly's game has blown away expectations of interest. Of course, it launched day and date into Game Pass, just the way that MLB The Show will on April 20th. Uh, and it had the biggest launch on Steam in the history of a Square Enix game that is a paid Square Enix game, as on day one, there were 100,000-plus concurrent players. This is via just Steam, which is the most for a Square Enix game, uh, for a paid Square Enix game, not counting free holidays, weekends, that kind of stuff. Uh, to, to give you some perspective there, Avengers, 31,000 at its highest concurrent count. Outriders Day 1, 100,000-plus concurrent. I, of course, am playing it over on Xbox, and I'm really having a ball with the gameplay. I'm loving it. But it is interesting to watch the social media team for People Can Fly react to this uh, far-exceeding expectation and interest for their game. I think they were ready for... uh, a good amount of players to be checking out Outriders out of interest. I think they prepared for that, but they were just dumbfounded by how many people were truly checking out the game. A lot of people outside of the Xbox ecosystem were diving in. Of course, the Xbox ecosystem went in hard on it. Uh, you launched in April with no competition in terms of big games. You had a Game Pass debut, so people were able to talk about it. Word of mouth, you had a great demo that received a lot of very positive feedback and you talked a lot about, and the interest uptick in Outriders from the demo to the the launch of Game Pass day and date to just people covering in different classes. It it has been astounding, really. And to go in and get 100,000 plus concurrent on day one, uh, it's no wonder their servers melted, to say the least. If you've been following the social media team, which is kind of where I started with this, uh, they have been so communicative. They have been speaking nonstop, trying to let players know what's going on, trying to let them know what some of the fixes are. They've already promised a post-mortem for when they are able to to kind of settle in and figure out what went wrong, what went right, how they're planning to fix it. Um, I heard via the grapevine, this is not uh, something I heard firsthand with my ears, but somebody was telling me that Jez Corden reported they're using peer-to-peer connections versus uh, server hosting, and that might be part of the problem. Certainly could be. The game, of course, has cross-play from uh, different systems and ecosystems, so that might be a a headache there as well. But I am personally thrilled that people are checking out Outriders because I'm really enjoying my time with the game. I do not recommend playing it solo. I can tell you that much right now. The difficulty scaling solo is a nightmare. I do not enjoy my time solo. But playing as a Technomancer with a Trickster and a Devastator uh, as my teammates, I'm really enjoying my time playing multiplayer. Uh, And it's just an absolute blast. A really fun, cool game. And it's everything gameplay-wise that Avengers or Anthem should have been. And it's not a live service game. And I'm hoping that every live service game that's you know looking at coming out down the line, I'm thinking about Suicide Squad because DC Comics are near and dear to my heart, uh, looking at them down the road, they've got to be looking at you know what's happened with so many live service games, Anthony, Anthony, Anthem, Avengers, uh, and of course, you know, Destiny and several others, and just thinking, all right, what do we need to do for a successful launch? What do we not need to have in our game 
is our game necessarily in need of being full live service or can it be faux live service? Outriders is not a live games as service game, but it is kind of like that in some ways. I can tell you this, guys. I, I received a code, sure. It's in Game Pass, sure. If none of those things were in play, this is a game I would have spent 50 60 $70 on, depending on the ecosystem or where you're at, and I would have been happy to do so. I would have been very pleased with my purchase, at least at this point uh, in here. And so I'm thrilled that they're getting the interest, bummed out for that team that really, I mean, this is their best game, People Can Fly. They had a foundation with Gears Judgment, good game there. Uh, Bulletstorm, yeah, is eh, fine. Uh, but this is, just, this is just wonderful. And so I'm very happy for People Can Fly. And I have to think Outriders 2 uh, has been quietly greenlit on the back end. They're whispering to each other uh, for sure. And I, I've I reached out to hopefully get somebody from the dev team here on the show, but I don't know that that'll... Uh, come to pass as they are working, you know, quite quite hard at, at fixing their servers. My review will come later on, but I'll tell you this: if you got Game Pass, there's no question you, should, you need to check out Outriders and see if it's for you. Don't play it solo. It's like Sea of Thieves. You play it solo, you're not playing the same game, and it's not the same experience. Uh, we did have a question, kind of in this realm, though. Lord James Suddy, one of my good buddies, uh, wrote in and he says, "Got a question. When do you think we'll see a smooth launch again on Xbox?" The last smooth launch for a title that comes to mind was Apex Legends. Of course, I could be mistaken, but Fallout 76, Outriders, Cyberpunk, Watch Dogs, and Anthem, all big titles that tripped on the way out. Lord James Suddy, it's weird how your accent uh, shifted as you were asking that question there, but for sure, I understand where you're coming from about games having smooth launches. I think, without a doubt, uh, if the game's going to be in Game Pass... And launching to 18 million plus potential players, they need to be prepped to scale servers pretty aggressively. Particularly if it's a game that that's reliant on multiplayer, right? Like if it's a game on multiplayer, they've got to be reliant there. Uh, as far as smooth launches, my hope is that investors and publishers are really taking note of the games you listed and a few others, and asking themselves what is it that that we need to be ready for, and is our game ready to launch? Uh, it looks bad to investors when Cyberpunk or Avengers flops. It just looks bad. You know, they have all this great hype. There's all this goodwill that that CD Projekt Red had for Avengers, uh, for um, Cyberpunk, I should say. And then to flub the landing the way they did and rush it and put it out before it was ready and to talk the talk without being able to walk the walk, that looks bad. And their stock and market shares are just so far down. They're down to uh, two-thirds from what they were that's bad for investors, right? Uh, Avengers has a very similar story. Anthem has a very similar story where all this goodwill, people are excited for the game, investors are investing in the game, and then because it came out before it was ready, because it wasn't polished, uh, it actually had the opposite effect on the company, and thus on jobs and on the player base and many other things. My hope is that they are realizing that there are long-term ramifications to misleading an audience or setting unrealistic expectations. There are realistic expectations in terms of financing a studio and keeping a studio afloat. Prepping the people that are paying for that, though, the investors, properly is key and necessary. And this is very good armchair analyst stuff. I'm sure there's, the complexities go far further. But my hope is that every major studio head is saying to themselves, okay, how can we offset costs if we're not ready to launch and we need to delay the game? How can we let people know in a way that's not egregious? And how do we do it right? Gotta say, Outriders did a lot of things right. Demo, all that stuff. Uh, still struggled at launch. 
How do they learn from it? Hopefully, uh, Microsoft is sharing their numbers and talking about what they can do with their servers. And, and again, I'm using that because of the Game Pass element, but I'm sure, I'm sure Steam has a lot of information uh, to discuss on that. PlayStation, I've not heard any numbers uh, on their end at the moment, um, but we'll find these things out over the next week or so. But uh, if I'm watching a game like Halo Infinite, I'm not doing it before it's ready. The damage was done when the, the delay on Infinite came. When it's ready. Everything needs to be when it's ready. Starfield, I don't know what the heck your kind of game you are. When it's ready. Do not make the Cyberpunk, the Fallout 76, the Anthem mistakes. No Watch Dogs Legion mistakes. Launch the game the way you want it to be launched. Be honest with your investors and your consumers. And I think there's more money to be made in that. But maybe I'm a touchy-feely and off-base there. Who knows? This is David Bateson, the voice of Agent 47, and you're listening to the Xbox Expansion Pass. Time to go mobile. That's right. Original Xbox and Xbox 360 titles are going to be hitting Android xCloud and iOS xCloud coming in future, teased Phil Spencer. Uh, Not too distant future, I should say. But according to an Xbox Wire post, some good news early on in the week before we got all this amazing day and date stuff for the show, that your OG back compact games are going to be playable for you via xCloud. The post reads... Xbox Game Pass Ultimate oh, Xbox Game Pass Ultimate members can now tap into a collection of favorites from the past in a whole new way, right on their mobile devices, turning them into retro handheld game systems. 16 original Xbox and Xbox 360 games are available on Android phones and tablets with more coming soon. We've listened to the feedback going all the way back to our earliest cloud gaming preview and making games from previous generations available on mobile devices has been one of the most requested features by the community, end quote. Guys, this is fantastic. If you've got an OG Xbox or Xbox 360 title in your library that you like, it is in all likelihood that that game will be available to you over the course of the coming year. They have listed the first 16 games, and I'll read you that list in just a minute. But remember, these games are cross-progression. You access your cloud save. You play the game as you like. You can pick it back up on your console, on your PC. You can pick it back up on your xCloud on PC, which is coming very soon as well. This is thrilling news. The first titles out the gate in this uh, updated Back Compat online catalog are Banjo-Kazooie, Banjo-Tooie, Double Dragon Neon, Fable 2, Fallout New Vegas, Gears 2, 3, Judgment, Jetpack Refueled, now with touch controls. Cameo, Perfect Dark, Perfect Dark Zero, Elder Scrolls 3, Morrowind, Elder Scrolls 4, Oblivion, Viva Pinata, and Viva Pinata TIP. Don't know what that one is, uh, but both the Viva Pinata games also have touch controls enabled. This is fantastic. More ways to play, more games to play, taking advantage of that back catalog, taking advantage of being the best legacy supporters in the gaming ecosystem. It is wild to me, it is wild to me that Microsoft, with the weakest of the IP slates at the moment, are doing the best at game preservation and finding ways for old games to make them money, to gain interest, and to be available for gamers to play. That's a win-win-win all around. Um, and I feel like the good news just really kept coming this week. It really was just just surprising to me. Now. Famous Seamus wrote in on this one, with PlayStation facing a lot of criticism for shutting down the PS3, PSP, and Vita stores, rip Vita, 
how do you think Xbox can take advantage of this situation to promote back compatibility on their consoles? Famous Seamus, it's a great question, and I think this is the first uh, shot across that bow. I don't know if this was pre-planned to, to give that news this past week or if it was uh, something they, they knew that they were coming and they were just sitting on and waiting for. Either way, um, this is it. This is it right here, the, the idea that you are now able to play old-school games via xCloud. And, of course, xCloud is going to extend not just to mobile devices but to your PC at certain points. There's uh, good indications that you're going to be able to play xCloud on your Xbox, which... Uh, is going to be a very good feature when you consider download speeds and bandwidth sizes. Uh, there's a lot of elements to that that are, are actually beneficial for sure to be using streaming elements of it, which I thought was interesting also. But I am, uh, in the wake of the PS3 store stuff and, and that stuff shutting down, I'm sad because there's a lot of great games to be had there. I can't imagine they were getting much use. I'm a longtime diehard Vita fan. I loved the PlayStation Vita, I think that's one of the best handhelds ever made. The Switch was a worthy successor there, and I think Nintendo is kind of squandering which Switch potential, at least at the moment. Um, but I am sad to see that Vita store go, and uh, I'm really kind of embarrassed for PlayStation, if I'm being honest, because they were the kings of backward compatibility. They were the kings of it. Nintendo did some good stuff early on and then really faded uh, when they realized they could just resell you everything. But PlayStation, man, that PS2 played PS1 games. The first PS3s played PS1, 2, and 3 games. They were the kings of it. And they now have, I would argue, the best IP slate in the gaming-verse. They are, they are just, I mean, how do you compete with God of War, Spider-Man, Horizon? I mean, there's just so many great games to be had from PlayStation, and they don't preserve that legacy. When you preserve legacy, you can resell legacy. You can celebrate legacy with, with goodwill compilations. I mean, I don't think a lot of people are really going to go out there and play Gears of War 2 on their mobile devices. But the story raises awareness for Gears. It reminds people that they want a Gears remaster. Uh, when you see Fallout uh, New Vegas, that reminds everybody that, oh, that's right, Xbox has all of these studios. They could make Fallout New Vegas 2. Uh, when you see these Elder Scrolls, Morrowind, and Oblivion, I can't imagine those games age well. But when they're available and people can play them for nostalgic region, reasons where it's easy for a streamer to pick up on whatever platform they want and then know that the next Elder Scrolls game is going to be Xbox exclusive. These are big wins, and that's smart. All these Perfect Dark games that are out there. If a streamer goes on, it's like, man, Perfect Dark Zero is pretty trash, uh, and he talks all about that, she talks all about that, and then uh, people and their audiences know what Perfect Dark is. That's way better than not knowing what Perfect Dark is. Because the whole conversation will be, man, it was great on 64, this 361, not so great. Uh, but man, this this new Xbox Series X exclusive from the initiative, maybe so. That's a smart move there. Viva Pinata, that certainly deserves a new life as they're trying to sell, to somehow appeal to more family-friendly games uh, in the Xbox ecosystem. I'm I'm saddened to see PlayStation getting or having to shut down these stores and, and make some of those master files less available. Uh, it, it's a shame. It makes perfect sense why they're doing it, of course. Jim Ryan and the PlayStation crew have really just stated outright and shown in their actions that they're not interested in legacy at the moment. That will change. Make no mistake, that will change as money and interest and goodwill shift uh, around a bit. But I, I'm thrilled for Xbox to be doing stuff like this. And uh, I think this was the shot across the ballot saying, hey, you know, they're ditching stores. We're opening them up. We're showing you more ways to play. By the way, you got Game Pass. You don't got to pay for these. I mean, that's, that's just, just how they're doing it. And um, PlayStation does a lot well. 
uh, they, they've been getting kind of hammered in the communication department in the last week or so. Uh, none of that matters, though, when you can sell God of War Ragnarok 2. So until those, until those IP uh, are more on equal footing, all of this stuff, uh, it doesn't quite equal out. Now, it doesn't quite. There's certainly a lot to celebrate on both ends, but it doesn't quite equal out. Either way, uh, let me know if you're going to be playing games on xCloud. I am curious. Of course, you can write me insipidghost at gmail.com or insipidghost on Twitter. Xbox Games with Gold. Games with Gold has gone through a a very strange a very strange journey thus far. Of course, Games with Gold was released in the Xbox One generation specifically to combat PlayStation Plus and the negative goodwill that the Xbox One had. Remember the Xbox 360 was just on top, Summer of Arcade, uh, everybody was playing multiplayer games there, Call of Duty, Halo, Gears. I mean, it was the place to be. And then roundabout time when when PlayStation and Sony uh, as well as Microsoft tried to get in on that Wii craze for family-friendly, for motion controls, and they had the Kinect and then the Move controllers, and uh, it, it seemed to shift, and the attitude towards Xbox seemed to shift. With the priority of the Xbox One Connect 2.0, uh, adding cost to the, to the box, people really soured on Xbox One, and the engagement was not there. A response to that was to open up the backward compatibility program and to open up something called Games with Gold. I remember this announcement and being impressed by it because it was free games just for being a gold member, the same way that PlayStation was doing PlayStation Plus. This is commonplace now, but when it was news, it was pretty incredible. Well, that program has ebbed and flowed in terms of the quality of games that have made their way in. We have some decent months and some pretty bad months, and PlayStation has been doing a fantastic job about putting great games into their service, some of them day and date new, coming right out, Destruction All-Stars, Fall Guys, uh, the new Oddworld Soulstorm is coming out day and date in this next month. Meanwhile, Games with Gold is getting, like, throwaway Xbox 360 games that people are not interested in, like Dark Void, uh, Troy Baker's in Dark Void, fun fact, Um, and a few other just kind of forgettable ones, or ones that are so dirt cheap it doesn't really feel that like it's that much uh, incentive to, to be subscribed to Xbox Live Gold. The caveat being, they've been sending quality titles all day over to Game Pass, and that's been the interesting thing. You go on any Xbox podcast every week, it's Game Pass, Game Pass, Game Pass. Uh, for good reason, of course, but even I'm tired of saying those particular words. Games with Gold has been the opposite conversation. Ugh, another month of gold. Ugh, not so great. Most people don't even download them, what have you. So my thought process was, how do I take a, take a look at the different elements of Games with Gold, a waning service, I think it's fair to say, and the ID at Xbox program that I have argued is a fantastic program with a difficult name, and there's a, a difficulty in spotlighting the games that make their way into the Xbox store and ecosystem by way of ID at Xbox. Of course, we found out last week that there's like $2 billion that's been made, 2,000 titles through the Xbox or the ID at Xbox program. But how many people are aware of them? How many people know about them? So I pitched this on Twitter, and I'm really going to read some of my tweets to you guys and just kind of augment them. But I want to send this your way mentally and see if anything I'm saying makes sense. It's a fun thought experiment, if you will. The fix for Games with Gold is to ditch the current format. And instead, every month, it's three to four indie games that are going to be spotlighted, not only by being free uh, via the subscription or you know as part of the subscription uh, costs, 
There are dev interviews and Let's Plays across the various social media platforms for Xbox that they're spotlighting. All of them are free to gold members, at the sa- and gold members have chances to write in questions to the developers for these Let's Plays and interviews. At the same time, Microsoft activates an instant game collection with Microsoft exclusives, very similar to what PlayStation Plus gets. If you're unfamiliar, PlayStation Plus, when you activate your membership there, you have access to a host of incredible PlayStation titles, if you're using a PS5, uh, of just wonderful, wonderful titles that have been curated by them that are their own first-party works. Like, God of War is in there. Like, that's just incredible to me. You just subscribe to PS Plus, you get God of War, one of the best games ever made. Uh, Microsoft could do something equivalent to that with Games with Gold. You know, it's an indie spotlighting service, but you also have access to Halo Wars, to Halo Infinite, to Gears of War, to Sea of Thieves, etc. Because many of these games do live on uh, or are augmented by microtransactions in some ways, but really just having a healthy community and healthy mindshare that goes with it. This is not necessarily meant to compete with Game Pass. It doesn't hurt Game Pass uh, if more people are playing Sea of Thieves or Halo Infinite or anything else. Uh, So you have an instant game collection with Microsoft exclusives that subscribers get. Then you ha- That gives you an Xbox experience, and it's another incentive for Game Pass as you see sequels of the many games that would be available in that instant game collection go to Xbox Game Pass. That, to me, is a brilliant win. You've got the indie games that are getting the spotlight, the ID at Xbox program that is understated and underrepresented in the mindshare of the people. They are now uh, front and center. You could maybe have some of these uh, indie games. You have one come out every single Wednesday if you have Xbox Games with Gold. If you have games with gold, then you have a new, fresh indie game that's getting the spotlight every single Wednesday. Or maybe you shift into a a uh, a week of arcade every single week, April week of arcades, you know, May week of arcade, or if you don't want to do summer or winter of arcade, what have you. But the idea is to get rid of the stigma that that bad AAA games are going into games with gold, uh, which seems to really haunt games with gold, right? Meanwhile, Game Pass and PlayStation Plus are just thriving. And also, you don't have gold competing with Game Pass. You don't want that. That's not a healthy thing to do is to compete with yourself. But you make it an indie spotlight service bundled in with being able to play online uh, and celebrate indie games in the way that Summer of Arcade and some of the other initiatives once did. That's my dog. She's excited about it. Let me know what you guys think about this potential fix, the idea of gold becoming an ID at Xbox spotlight every Wednesday with a new game, and there's an instant game collection that helps celebrate some of the the first-party Microsoft things. I believe in that kind of a program, and I'd like to see it happen because I've argued that games with gold needs to go away. I've gone on the other side of that fence here and there. I certainly believe that the ID at Xbox program is brilliant and yet understated and under-understood. That's a weird way to say that. Uh, Let me know if I'm off base here. What do you guys think? I often end news cycles by asking what the audience thinks. Remember, you can write in insipidghost at gmail.com or tweet at me at insipidghost, uh, as so many of you did this past week, and I'm going to get to some of your questions there. If you are listening to this uh, episode in the Monday that it is out, there is a contest going on right now on my Twitter feed that ends on Monday, so you won't have much of a window of time. But I'm giving away a code for Outriders with the pre-order bonuses as well. Uh, you all simply need to screenshot a picture of you subscribe to youtube.com slash Pass or on your podcast service of choice. Or 
you can tweet me your iTunes review. Those iTunes reviews go a long way. And even if you're not an Apple user, you can make a quick account uh, on your PC and do it that way. Uh, that's what I did for for my friends because I'm not an Apple user myself. But it makes a, it makes a big difference to small shows like mine. And uh, it's always appreciated when people do that. All right. Let's get to some questions here. Uh, this one comes from my old friend, Mr. Blaze Knight. He says, do you think Xbox can overcome the no-game stigma with its current roadmap? That's a great question, Blaze Knight. Uh, I don't know what that roadmap entails. Certainly that stigma is going to be overcome. It's already false. It's like a false stigma. Uh, there are so many games available on uh, the Xbox catalog of devices, Game Pass, xCloud, etc., um, but that stigma is deservedly there for some troubled times, uh, notwithstanding. You can't have a year where State of Decay, Sea of Thieves, in its launch state, and Crackdown 3 are your best, you know, b- biggest guns. You can't have that uh, and not pay the price. And they are paying the price long term, which is uh, no longer deserved at the moment for sure. But the moment you get the Hellblades, the moment you get the, the next games like Avowed and Fable and uh, all the Bethesda slates, once those come out and they're exclusive... That stigma will fade. I think it's it's going to be there for a while. It's the bed they, they made. And it's a false narrative, of course, at this point. Um, but but uh, the st- stigmas stick. They're like memes. They'll stick around for longer uh, than they're meant to and longer than the truth is, for sure. Um, I, I'm thinking a lot about this and why it, it's, a, it's an easy question. I've already answered it. But there's something about that no-game stigma that just it, – it, it's kind of a – it messes with me just a little bit because I've seen the efforts from Microsoft work and they work so hard. And you think about some of those dud launches like State of Decay and Sea of Thieves and Sea of Thieves has got 20 million plus players now and State of Decay did really well with its Juggernaut edition. And I mean, they've turned that ship around pretty, pretty heavily and gamers know, like gamers of that, of the ecosystem know that that's not the narrative any longer. But uh, I understand where it comes from for sure. And it makes sense. But I think the stigma's Going to stick with it for a little bit longer until the game after Halo Infinite. And after that, then you're good. This question comes from Betterman77. He says, Are gamers turning into entitled whiners who expect too much from games on release day, or should we be calling devs and publishers out on issues like Outriders is having right now? Well, Betterman, uh, this is this is a difficult one because certainly I think gamers are, are often entitled in many ways. But I don't think that's the majority of gamers. Really and truly, I think that social media does so many wonderful things for connecting us to developers and letting us talk to incredible creators in our medium and celebrate them. But it is often the negative comments that get the most attention. And those are often upset minority groups there. Uh, And I should be careful with the wording. What I mean to say is like the people that are actually upset are in the minority. That they are in the minority. They are not uh, the masses that are in play there at all. And I think the majority of gamers that are paying attention to this story with Outriders, as you brought up, uh, are well aware that they're doing their absolute best, well aware that they quadrupled their expectations, uh, and that's that's great for them, right? It is frustrating, especially if you took time off work and whatnot. However, at this point, if your game is connected online, uh, and that's the one you're, you're excited about. You should not be taking off work on the day of. We've just seen too many examples where uh, that shouldn't be the case any longer. You should be waiting a day or two and cutting a little bit of slack as they figure these things out. Uh, and Outriders did it right. Like they did the demo, they tested things, uh, and even then they were slammed. But turning into entitled whiners, I don't know that I buy that. I think it's just a small group of people that are louder 
uh, online. I don't subscribe to or follow any of the conversations of the, the ponies versus the bots. I'm not interested in that. And I mean, I certainly, as you guys know, I, I play on everything and I play with people who are cross playing and I don't give a, a hoot what plastic box anyone's playing on. And I don't make any money extra from covering an Xbox show. I don't make any money from dissing Sony or vice versa. None of them are, I'm not on either of their payrolls. It's just a matter of personal interest. And so I don't think there's an entitled uh, group of whiners that is growing. I think it's more that we're hearing them more and we we often retweet or spotlight or respond. And the easiest thing to do, mute them. Not even block them, just mute them. Like, let them yell into the ether and you not pay a bit of attention to it and just celebrate yourselves. Uh, it's a good question, Better Man. I understand where it's coming from, but uh, I don't know that the gaming community has ever been so mature that people didn't whine. But at the same time, I think social media augments the experience for that uh, just a bit. This last question to close out the show will be coming from Edward Varnell. Now, Edward, I do want to let you know that I have reached out to Limited Run Games for your question from last week about uh, why they do such a great job at, at spotlighting Nintendo and PlayStation games, and there's no Xbox representation. I have requested a PR-like response, which I will share on the next episode, as well as on my Twitter feed. Uh, when, when that does come back, uh, if I can get them to, to chat with me and sit down for a, a, an interview, I'll do that as well, because I would love to know, you know, just kind of where they're coming from, what it is. I'm sure it's a licensing thing, and I'll get a PR answer, but but I'm absolutely fine with that, as I love limited-run games. Um, but I expect that I have not ignored your question. It's just a matter of me taking the time. I only just sent that request a few days ago. Uh, now, your question for this week. Do you think players understand the importance of great leadership for a company? For example, uh, Phil Spencer turned Xbox around like Iwata did for Nintendo. Regardless of how each is seen, they both work to make their company better than the past. This is a great question because it, it's one of a celebratory nature. Yes, I think Nintendo fans are well aware that Iwata was a wonderful leader for Nintendo. And I think Xbox fans are perhaps too aware that Phil Spencer has turned the Xbox ship around. Uh, the infill we trust memes that tend to go around. Sometimes we evangelize Phil Spencer as being more than a man and more than a great businessman and great gamer. He is those things. He certainly is those things. He did uh, steward and guide the Xbox ship to success after it was really in, in rough waters. Uh, and he is quick to cite his team consistently on that. And that is a sign of great leadership to be given accolades and then turn them back on the team and the people that are doing uh, a lot of the good work uh, with you and for you. Awada, of course, had this wonderful vibe uh, to him as well, and I, I I miss his presence in the gaming industry. But I think the majority of players that would listen to this type of show are aware of the great leaders like Phil Spencer and, and Iwata. They're aware of the Reggies in their own time. They're aware of Doug Bowser. Um, all too often of late, and, and sadly, in the wake of the MLB The Show news, uh, we're very aware that Jim Ryan is, is running PlayStation. And I say that not as a fanboy thing, but he's getting a lot of flack and hate mail uh, right now. But anybody that's foolish enough to think that Jim Ryan doesn't understand business or the video game business is really missing the mark, is really missing the mark. He's just not as relatable or likable uh, in these other personalities. He's a business guy, but what he's done for PlayStation is sell PlayStations. I mean, let's be honest. Like, let's not let's not mince words here. The PlayStation 4 outsold the Xbox One by a ratio of better than 2 to 1. Uh, and that's, a lot of that is Jim Ryan's doing. PlayStation 5 is off to a resounding and incredible start. Uh, we celebrate a lot of Xbox news stories because there's a lot to celebrate uh, on this show, but PlayStation is rocking it right now. 
Gamers should understand the importance of great leadership. Human beings should understand that. Uh, we should allow them to stumble, allow them to fail. We recognize that in our own selves. Uh, but I don't think we're at a, a loss for praise for Phil Spencer, for Awada, for Doug Bowser, or for Jim Ryan as well. Um, different approaches, all success stories. That's going to be it for XEP this week. I hope everyone is having a wonderful week, and this kicks it off well for you. Thank you guys for listening to the show, reviewing the show, sharing the show, etc. Um, I'm uh, hoping to actually try and uh, get back on and guest on a few more podcasts. Of course, on the side projects, we'll have another episode of Cast Co-op being recorded with Ainsley Bowden, myself, and Joseph Moran. Uh, episode 2 of that will be going up on the season gaming feeds. XCP, of course, is weekly. And uh, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm debating if I want to start like reaching back out to other bigger shows once again. I've, I've had the f- good fortune to guest on Kind of Funny's X-Cast uh, once before. I'd kind of like to do it again. I, do I... Do I do I reach out to them on that one? I don't know. Like it's, it's, I'm debating, you know, do I want to try and talk to a few more bigger podcasts and... and spread my wings a little bit or am I happy where XEP is? I'm quite happy at the success thus far with the show and I appreciate all of you listening. I'm just trying to, to find my way there and I always tend to take you guys on that journey and, and through my mindset as well. So I appreciate you guys being with me. That's going to be it. I hope you all have a wonderful week. Take care. Play some games. All the best, guys.